What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Jesse Strauss. Early on Saturday morning, Hamas led a militant raid on Israeli settlements around the outskirts of the Gaza Strip, flying over border fences in paraglides, bulldozing Israeli border fences, and assaulting Israeli colonial settlements just outside the fiercely controlled Gaza Strip. In the process, many Israelis were killed, more captured. In the days since, Israel has declared war on Gaza, has killed many Palestinians, has leveled buildings in Gaza, and has called on its military reserves to prepare for a ground war. Meanwhile, Palestinian liberation fighters have continued to fight back, breaking through more border fences, taking control over land, and apparently trying to build a land bridge between the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. The battles are intense and ongoing as we speak. This eruption is a new chapter in the struggles for land in the region. Today we're joined by two journalists focused on Palestine. Yara Hawari is a Palestinian academic writer and senior analyst for Al Shabaka, the Palestinian Policy Network. She joins us from Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us, Yara. Thank you for having me. Really happy to have you on the line. We're also joined by Nora Barrows-Friedman, a staff writer and editor at the Electronic Intifada, who is based in the Bay Area and also is a former KPFA producer. Good morning, Nora. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Yara. Very happy to have you both on. Yara, you're in Jerusalem now. I'd like to start with you. I know that crafting a narrative around the situation is complex, and we have different types of access to information. I'm wondering if we can start with your experience you're the closest of all of us to these battles geographically. What is happening on the ground there and what kind of access to information do you have? How are you holding up there in Jerusalem? Uh, well, thank you for asking. It's incredibly um, uh, anxiety-inducing and frightening um, for, for folks and Palestinians in Jerusalem and the West Bank. You know, we're hearing the fighter jets uh, that are um, being sent to, to to bomb Gaza, the Israeli fighter jets. Um, so it's, you know, it's a really tough time, but I do have to emphasize that, you know, nothing that we are going through um, even compares uh, to uh, what Palestinians in Gaza are suffering from, which is, you know, uh, basically all-out bombardments, um, uh, day and night, uh, com- you know, uh, intensification of the siege that they've already been living through for the last 16 years, uh, meaning that, you know, there's there's basically no power, there's no electricity. Uh, the Israelis have also cut off the water. And obviously that is having a, a direct impact on the kind of information that we're getting out directly from Gaza. Uh, to my knowledge, there are no more uh, international aid agency or uh, agencies or international journalists in Gaza. They were evacuated um, and so that means that, you know, that we're relying on, on Palestinians in Gaza to, to share information. But there is a lack of power, meaning that, that people in Gaza don't have, uh, are running out of batteries on their phones, on their, their, their computers, on their laptops. Um, there is a lack of access to Internet. Um, so, you know, I mean, and this is quite significantly different from many of the times before. Of course, Gaza has been bombarded so many times before. Um, but that is quite um, distinct that we are struggling uh, to get in touch with our friends and, and, and comrades on the ground um, in, Palestine, in Gaza. And what does it mean for people in Gaza that, that there's no more aid agencies there? Obviously, there are still hospitals working, but what's the impact of uh, having those people removed? 
So Israel, the Israeli regime has also prevented humanitarian aid uh, from entering uh, into Gaza. So there are dwindling supplies. The Israeli regime is, of course, also targeting um, hospitals uh, and infrastructure. So we know that that, that doctors and, and medical staff there are working all out, but with incredibly uh, limited supplies, but also under bombardment. Um, and so they're not they're not coping. Uh, there is not enough food. Uh, there is no food going in. There's no water going in. So it's a really, really difficult situation and perhaps the most difficult uh, situation um, we, we've seen um, thus far. And I, you know, should also say that, like, the, you know, while this is going on um, across the West Bank, um, not only can we hear these these noises and, uh, you know, these sounds of our, our brothers and sisters being, being bombed in Gaza, but there's also been an intensification of violence across the West Bank, settlers and rampaging. Um, they're, they're targeting Palestinians. Um, the army has closed all the checkpoints. Um, so there is, you know, there is an intensification uh, of violence um, against Palestinians in the West Bank as well. And one last question about access for you now. I'm wondering if Palestinians in the West Bank, if we know what kind of access to information they have about what's going on in Gaza, has have there been restrictions placed there? In the West Bank, there is, you know, there is electricity and there is internet. Um, the Israeli regime for a long time has controlled uh, the the uh, the level of uh, internet we get. So, you know, in the West Bank, Palestinians only have three G internet, but there is still uh, general access to to information, and the you know Palestinians have long been very. Um, creative in the ways that they share information but using all different types of um, social media channels and, and technologies. So we are, you know, we are still getting information and, uh, you know, have to emphasize this that Palestine and Palestinians in Palestine, we are a very small community. We are not a lot of people. Um, and, um, you know, when something happens, you know, word of mouth, you know, the old fashioned way is still uh, one of the, the, the key forms of uh, communication. And I want to bring Nora into the conversation. You work with the Electronic Intifada, been closely monitoring the situation. The Hamas-led attack on Saturday morning seems to be unprecedented. I'm wondering if you can speak to what makes this new battle different and significant from previous fighting. Yeah, um, and I, 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 I just want to you know, give my gratitude to people like Yara who are, are doing such important work um, um, and uh, you know to, to bring us information and and much needed analysis and background context historical context which is always left out um, deliberately when mm. when we're talking about um, Palestine over the last hundred years um, in in mainstream corporate media um, so uh, uh, what makes this unprecedented is that <laughs> I mean, where do you start, right? Palestinians have, uh, you know, for, for the last uh, at least 75 years, if not 100, have been told that they cannot resist, that they cannot fight back, that they are supposed to just sit uh, and die quietly, um, that any sort of resistance, whether it's armed struggle, whether it's the, you know, the unarmed march of return in Gaza in 2018, whether it's the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, um, it, these are all unacceptable. Um, and and meanwhile, the international community, you know, the so-called international community, 
continues to sit on its hands, uh, absolve Israel of all responsibility toward international law and war crimes, um, and and continue to um, to to paint Palestinians in the most dehumanizing, um, most revolting, and colonial uh, way possible. And Palestinians, I mean, it, you know, that in Gaza, and this is also not talked about in the corporate media. For the last 16 years, there's been a siege where Palestinian, two million Palestinians, half of them children, half of them children, are not allowed access to medications, to basic medical supplies, to basic food staples, to uh, basic construction materials, um, to uh, 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 independent uh, electricity, and, um, and, and fuel infrastructure, right? These are all controlled by Israel. The, the amount of materials and supplies and food is all controlled by Israel. This is the siege. This is meant to collectively punish 2 million people trapped in this hermetically sealed ghetto concentration camp um, to, to, to punish them um, for... Uh, for for what for for not being Jews for for being an, an excess population for daring um, to uh, elect Hamas as as their political leadership in 2006 um, and so Palestinians have tried every single way to achieve liberation to achieve democracy to achieve justice to achieve some sort of equality. Um, and, and it's, and it's been impossible. And, you know, I mean, if you read Franz Fanon or Kwame Ture, right, it, it, you can't expect an occupied besieged, you know, member, uh, population, um, under the thumb of colonization and, and settler, settler colonialism, um, to just sit back and await death. Um, and, and so this is the precedent. I mean, Palestinians have uh, an ingenious, indigenous, um, uh, you know, ways of, of organizing themselves. This, this is not new. Um, and so on Saturday, they decided to, to take matters into their own hands. Well, and Hamas claimed responsibility for the attacks on Saturday morning. Hamas is clearly involved in the battles. I think this is a question for Yara, but of course, Nora, you can weigh in. I'm interested in how that narrative is playing around um, around Hamas. I'm seeing a lot of coverage that it's Hamas versus Israel, but realistically, how aligned with Hamas are Palestinians that have joined the fight? How much of a factor are Palestinians who are joining, but still not, you know, not necessarily politically aligned with Hamas as a political organization? I don't think that's, you know, the necessarily the right way to frame that question. I mean, this is for the okay. first time ever um, 
uh, and uh, no no critique, um, but I, I would suggest a reframing of that, that question. You know, this is the first time that we have seen a Palestinian guerrilla operation of this magnitude, the first time that the Palestinians of any group have been able to reclaim stolen land uh, from them in 1948, even if it was for, for a short while. Um, so I think that is, you know, that is incredibly significant and even more significant in the context of Gaza, which is, you know, recognized globally as a, a massive open uh, prison, um, and I think the the sheer fact that Palestinians, um, you know, whoever they may be, were able to to break out of this the, this prison is significant. The Israeli regime is basically built on this uh, idea of colonial permanence, of colonial perpetuity, um, and I think that, you know this particular operation. Um, has has made a huge crack in that facade, you know, um, that this this fence doesn't have to cage them in. It's not necessarily uh, forever. Um, and I think Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank in in uh, the lands, um, the the 1948 lands. Um, I think for so many of us, um, there's a lot of despair. Like we don't see a way out of this and when you know when there are moments where palestinians break free such as when uh the palestinians six palestinians broke free from their from their prison by digging a tunnel under the prison these moments really challenge that notion of of colonial permanency um and so yeah of course there are you know palestinians are politically um you know um it, there is political plurality in palestinian society we are not are all unified under one political ideology. I think that's incredibly normal of of any society. But I think something that does, you know, unite Palestinians uh, is that desire desire to be free and that desire to to end uh, colonial uh, perpetuity. That's the voice of Yara Hawari, a Palestinian academic writer and senior analyst for Al Shabaka, the Palestinian Policy Network. Um, we've seen maps representing Palestinian control of land over various decades showing Israel's encroachment. Palestine, in my entire lifetime, has only gotten smaller on those maps. Mm. After Saturday's attack began, I started seeing maps redrawn the other way, the borders of Gaza growing into Palestinian land that had recently been controlled by Israel. How much do we know about, at this point right now, the actual retaking of land by Palestinian fighters and also for both of you, and maybe we'll start with Nora, because we just heard from Yara, how has it impacted you to see those maps with Palestinian land actually growing? I mean, it's, you know, like I've, I've, I've always said kind of anecdotally, like, you know, maybe we'll see, maybe we'll see the, the reclamation of, of Palestinians of their land sometime in my lifetime. Right. I'm in my mid 40s and I've been doing this for for 20 years. Like maybe maybe it'll happen. Probably not. But yeah, as you said, like we've just seen the the, the shrinking of of uh, of Palestinians um, land on maps uh, like an archipelago, like, you know, a Bantu stand. <laughs> if, if we know our history from apartheid South Africa. Um, and yet this has been one of the most profound um, images that, that, you know, that have been coming out, not, you know, I mean, we are seeing the horrifying images of what's happening right now to our friends and colleagues and family members in Gaza and in the West Bank. 
um, and 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 also we're seeing the the expansion of of recontrol of land um, taken kilometer by kilometer by Palestinian guerrilla fighters who have broken out of the prison of Gaza and are waging fierce battles uh, between um, settlers and and between Israeli forces. Um, and yeah, and we've seen, you know, we've seen the, the, the expand, I mean, just in, in the last couple of days, Palestinian guerrilla fighters have, um, have basically uh, retaken uh, something like between, I think between 40 and 50 different um, settlements uh, that that kind of surrounds the you know the southern historic Palestine um, right outside the the boundary of of Gaza, um, and they are you know inching closer to the southern occupied West Bank, which is of course geographically uh, separated from Gaza, um, and 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 seeing social media posts from my friends who are in Gaza or have family in Gaza. Um, also have family in the West Bank saying that there are, are you know, uh, grandmothers and, and family members in Hebron in the southern occupied West Bank who are right now preparing meals to welcome and receive the Palestinian fighters from Gaza. Mm. I mean, this I'm not Palestinian, but it sends shivers <laughs> down down my entire body. I'm just I mean, th- that is one of the most beautiful uh you know acts of 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 indigenous reclamation of throwing off the chains of a hundred years of foreign european colonization of you know people who who for the last you know few decades have been trapped and separated um, from their family, if they're in Gaza, separated from their family and 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 comrades and communities in the West Bank and vice versa, for for Palestinian fighters to be to be reaching closer and closer to reconnect, um, I think I think is just. Uh, there are, there are no no words that I have. Um, maybe Yara has words, <laughs> but I'm like, it, there's just there's just something so profoundly beautiful and striking about that. Well, let's bring Yara into the conversation. Yara, same question: How has it impacted you to see those maps with Palestinian land actually growing? And then also, do you know? Do you have? current information about what that situation is looking like with the actual retaking of land and potential land bridge between the West Bank and the Gaza Strip? Very, I guess it's a very similar sentiment to to Nora, you know, like I never in my lifetime um, imagined the map of Palestine to go in the other direction, to be quite Mm -hmm. honest with you. And it's, it's, it's actually very emotional. I'm realizing talking about this. Um, I think as it stands at the moment, and this also speaks to what kind of information we're we're getting out. I mean, the Israeli regime is also very tightly controlling information. There is a lot of media censorship uh, and also misinformation. And and I think um, they're doing this because of uh, morale. I think there is a low morale among the Israeli army, uh, 
obviously so. This is a huge defeat for them, uh, defeat uh, not just militarily, but also to, in terms of their own security. So it's unclear, to be very honest with you, what the, the territorial situation is at the moment. Um, but, you know, I think the, you know, the the damage is already done in that sense. You know, we have already seen those images, those maps. That's something that can never be taken away from us. Um, and it's something that I think will live on forever in the, the collective imagination of Palestinians. I need to take a breath from that. Thank you, Yara. Um, <laughs> Me <yeah>. too. <laughs> um, <Yeah>, we will... <laughs> We'll continue to see those maps um, and and we can only imagine what happens next. Um, there's also been a response from Israel now um, that Netanyahu has declared war. Um, buildings have been leveled. There's a intense situation in, in Gaza right now. At some point, the Israeli government told Gazan citizens to flee. But of course, Gaza is an open air prison. There's not easy access to leave. What's the latest that you all are aware of around, around the current Israeli impact there in Gaza and, and how things might shape up? And by shape up, I mean, what's next for Palestinians living in Gaza? I mean, I think the the Israeli regime, uh, you know, there's been talk about ground invasion, um, and I think that's you know very very possible. Um, I think it, it's really difficult to um, to because of the sort of the the very careful information that the Israeli regime is um, is letting out. It's difficult to tell when that might be, um, but we know for sure, you know, that the bombardments will continue and that Palestinians in Gaza will be killed. Um, uh, it, it, what's really uh, shocking, but perhaps not surprising, is the international reaction to this. Um, usually, Israeli bombardments, um, there is some kind of international pressure for a ceasefire, but I just, I really, at this stage, I don't know when that will be. It seems that the Israeli regime is hell-bent on, on revenge and on, uh, uh, you know, very, very cool revenge. Um, so I, I think we'll have to, to wait and see as this plays out. And we know um, from our friends and family in Gaza that, uh, that the nights are the worst, uh, that the bombardments are intensified at the night. Um, so um, uh, sadly, I think that uh, many more Palestinians will be killed. Um before this uh, this war ends. And unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up this conversation in just a, a moment. Um, if there were one thing that, and I want to ask both of you, maybe Nora first, if there were one thing that you would hope that people who are trying to learn about what's going on, people who are our listeners here, um, that you would hope that people could take away in trying to understand the situation, what would that be, Nora? It would be that this has nothing to do with religion, that this is entirely 100% a settler colonial imperial project, and that people have, who have been living under the thumb of occupation and apartheid and settler colonialism are finally um, uh, trying 
to 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 wage justice for themselves and their people. Um, and and so that's yeah, <laughs> that's what I would say. Thank you, Nora. I know it's hard to to boil it down to one takeaway. Yara, yeah. do you have anything for us? <laughs> I mean, I would say that you know these the when this when these kinds of things happen, um, it's always framed as uh, you know a one-off event or a, a flare-up. But Palestinians are living in a constant uh, state of violence, a violence that is. Um, is enacted on them. Um, And, you know, I think that's not covered by the media. That's not, you know, context that is given. And I understand that it's overwhelming for people um, who are, you know, coming to the the issue, um, who are just coming to the issue. It's overwhelming to sort of think about, oh, I have to learn decades of history. But actually, you know, as Nora, you know, su- summarized, it's actually a lot simpler than, than people have make out. And, you know, there are obviously nuances and there are details, but this is quite simply a situation uh, of a, a settler colonial project trying to erase an indigenous people from their land. And, you know, it's not the only one. Uh, uh, it, there are many that are still existing around the world. And this is a uh, Palestinian struggle for liberation uh, is one that seeks um, uh, uh, freedom from that set of colonial projects. It's an end uh, to colonial erasure. We're going to have to end on that note. I want to thank you, Yara and Nora, for your work. Yara and Nora's Twitter handles and work websites are going to be available on the KPFA archive of that show. Yara and Nora, thank you for joining us, and I want to wish you both safety. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.